for The Daily Review, a podcast dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. This is Paul Daly here with my wife, Caroline. Hey, guys. And today we're here to discuss the 12th episode of the second season of NBC's This Is Us. This one was called what? Clooney. Clooney after the cat after the I, I was going to say one-eared cat that's why I kind of stopped but then I realized and at the at the end of the show you could see he wasn't one-eared he just had one that was kind of deformed right it was just kind of bent down permanently yeah so had. not the one-eared cat Clooney just the you know not everyday looking cat Clooney he was definitely in rough shape cat right yes. he had had a hard life that's for sure that's that's accurate so we are going to go through this episode again by flashback section first, and then we'll go into the current day. We received some listener feedback from Ellen, and we wanted to address that right from the top of the show here. She had concerns that we were being really hard on Kevin, and she really felt like maybe uh, we weren't giving him a fair shake. And so we went back and, and talked a little bit about how we've been talking about Kevin, and we both agreed because we adore listener feedback, both positive and negative that we would absolutely give Kevin more of a fair shake. We were trying to figure out what it was about previous shows that maybe made us feel like we were having a harder time empathizing with him. And one of the things that I felt like I could identify was that he is the only character that I felt like they frequently showed points of view that he had from a flashback, and then they would undercut him by showing someone else's point of view of the same situation and show that Kevin's viewpoint wasn't actually very accurate. So, for instance, last week when we saw him lay down on the floor, if they had left it at that, that would have been sad and we would have felt really, really sorry for Kevin. That would have been a really crappy childhood memory. And we were surprised at, you know, the very end of the episode when Rebecca comes and actually sleeps on the floor with him, which that moment and the way that that happened is just the way that it happens over and over for Kevin, it seems like, where the the show shows us something that he remembers and then they show it from another character and it's like, no, Kevin, actually, that's not what happened. And so it, I think that is what's challenging my empathy the most, because I don't think that they do that with Kate or with Randall. I, I rarely can think of a time when they show us like Kate feeling sad about food and then them showing it from another character's point of view that somehow voids what her memory was. Do you feel like you're finding the same things, Paul? I'm approaching it a totally different way, although I hearing you say all that, it makes a lot of sense because the show could, I mean, the writers this talented could manipulate us into thinking anything they want to think. And so by giving us these little codas, I guess, to, to these moments that, that, as you say, undermine what, what we're supposed to be feeling for Kevin up to that moment, then leaves us with this kind of uh, what what do they used to call it in math and in grade school when it cancels out? It kind of cancels out the uh, the emotion that they kind of generated. And I'm uh, sure that with the it. other kids, like there had to have been moments that would have been the same where maybe Randall remembered being teased by Kevin. And then had we seen it from another point of view, maybe Jack's or Rebecca's or something, we would have seen that that Randall had been truly 
obnoxious and annoying and bothering Kevin and doing something. And, and it would have seemed far more justified, but they haven't really turned the camera that way. So it's like anytime we see Kevin having bothered Randall, we never see it from another vantage point where it's like Kevin's totally justified in having bothered Randall. And that was the other point of her comments. She was talking a lot about him as an adult and him struggling with the addiction. And I agree. I, I feel like we have addressed his addiction portion, but the portions that really bothered me the most really had more to do with him being younger and the way that he treated his, um, you know, treated Randall and then treated his parents, treated Jack. He, he had such a long history of being so snippy and so ungrateful to so many of the members of the family that it was kind of difficult even as an adult then to when he did have these moments that he did show resilience i felt great for him and was like good that he like found the next career but then it was like strange again because they sort of undercut that by by having him say but even though i was resilient you should have felt bad for me and you should have you should have focused on my pain and while that's true with the other characters, it seems like they kept focusing on their resilience. You know, something bad was happening and they tried to work through it and they really focused on like the problem solving aspect. So I, I feel like they're maybe handling Kevin a little differently. I don't know. I don't care that he is handsome. I think Randall is very handsome to me. So I'm not like if there's some sort of bias of like, um, you know, we're just talking crap about him because he's like this handsome man. It's not really like that for me. It's more that I feel like his his storylines tend to get this other balance that end up making me wonder again, like what what, what was what was he complaining about again? You know, like I have a harder time and they just don't seem to do that with the other two. I totally invite other people to comment on this because I want to understand if you feel like that Kate and Randall's memories often get challenged by another family member's memory of the same events you know please point those out because i don't remember those but it seems like with kevin it's it's just more often it seems like we're seeing it not from his point of view but from you know everybody seems to view him the same way as as being uh, you know bullyish to randall or generally snotty to other people you you were a teacher so you know that all kids to some extent are a product of where they live, where they are brought up. But there are also those kids that, I mean, they are going to pick on the other kids and they're going to, I don't know what to say. They're, they're going to be um, unruly and, and challenge authority and all that kind of stuff, regardless of, of where they came from. And maybe Kevin was one of those kids. I don't know. And I, I also want to point out that for, I do respect his resilience. I do think that the fact that he, you know, got up out of the, you know, having an injury from football and found the the acting career. And I and I do very much understand and have compassion for him that it was so unfair to then have an additional injury to hurt his acting career after having rebuilt his dreams. That was incredibly unfair. And him spiraling downwards in the in the pain medication, I understood all of that. Let me explain where I feel like they undercut my empathy. When then we went to the rehab center and they had Kate say, okay, he's going to be this broken man who has now had his dream again swiped out from under him. And then he comes out and they magnified his like actor bow, his back slappy stuff with the staff, you know, his sort of like, hey, hey, everybody, thanks for coming to my party kind of, you know, attitude that again, it sort of undercut that empathy where it was like, well, 
crap. You know, I get it. He's hiding his pain. I, I understand that kind of stuff. But it's hard because it's like they don't allow us to have those authentic moments then with him where we say, this is hard. This is sad. Let's go through it with Kevin. He Or those moments that feel the most authentic are of him being shitty to somebody else, to me. That's that's how I feel. Interesting. Okay. Uh, would you agree that we are, you and I, programmed completely differently? Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to- How we know, view people, for in, sure. Interpreting yes. feelings, emotions, uh, like you said, uh, how we feel about people. Yeah, absolutely. And- I don't know. I, I, there's there's probably people out there that that look at each individual person and decide, do you, how much how much empathy can I feel toward whatever it is you're going through? And I guess to to some extent everybody does that, but I feel like in some ways I just have so much to go around, you know. And then everyone else is just out of luck. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's just I've felt bad for these other twenty people. I can't feel bad for you anymore. You're just out. Yeah. And so you feel that just it's not that you don't feel empathetic for Kevin. He's just your least empathetic character. Probably a, a generous way to put it. Yes, he has gone through some things, but he also started in a pretty good place, you know, so I respect the whole idea of like, you know, Ellen pointed out that, you know, Rebecca paired off with Randall and Jack absolutely babied Kate. Um, you know, when they were playing football and the second that Kate had a problem, he ran off with with Kate and didn't continue to play football with Kevin. For sure, I, I agree that Kevin had the short end of the stick in in moments. There's it's very clear. I agree with that. And and I pointed out in our last podcast, like I thought it was really crappy that Rebecca made Kevin go looking for the glasses, whereas Randall wasn't even, you know, anywhere to looking for the glasses. I agree with you wholeheartedly that that was that was cruel, not not nice at all. And and would would absolutely affect me because as a kid, if my mom was saying that I did something and then my sibling was like just sitting over there, not even not even having to help the situation, I, I, I would absolutely take it hard. I promise to Ellen that I will make a more of an effort to try to find the ways that Kevin's resilience can sort of be a catch 22 for him, because I think that that is what I heard Rebecca saying that you are so resilient. You are so confident. You do have talents. So I don't worry about you. And in that way, those people don't need to not be worried about. I mean, they still need people that care about them and care and be compassionate towards them, even though the cup runneth over, you know, with other talents or or their their ability to to be resilient. But they still need love and compassion and they still need people to recognize their pain. So I 100 percent understand your point, Ellen. And I'm super glad that you that you reached out to us and I will continue. I thought that Kevin acted far more compassionately in this episode than we've seen him like, like even in the flashback and in his current day, I thought he was far more balanced character. He was still kind of a dick to Miguel, but it seems like in asking Miguel those hard questions, he started to kind of figure things out. So there's some positive. Well, and I would say that he was um, stuck in like sort of old patterns when it came to the way that he was speaking with Miguel. Yeah. That what you were saying, but he was willing to 
sort of examine those patterns and say like, you know, well, well, you know, here's what is bugging me, you know, and let's like talk about it a little bit. And they did sort of tease that out, but let's not get into that yet. Let's get into our flashback section. But before that, let, I'll, I'll make my own oh, uh, commitment. Me. Sorry. Uh, I will give Kevin a fairer shake from now on, mainly because it's probably just boring broadcasting. If if you listen to a show and there people are always constantly bashing a character and you like that character, then why would you keep listening to that show? So just for the sake of, of the show. Of like a more I, fair and balanced. Yeah, I'll, I will I will look at Kevin w- w- under new uh, light. All right. So mission accomplished, Ellen. You got us to, to rethink how we are looking at that character. And we appreciate you asking us to examine why do we think this way about him? And we will. So thank you. Moving on to our flashback section of this episode called Clooney again. This is a very sh- short part of this show. This was more current day focused, wouldn't you say? It was. And we had the um, we had the little section with the cat, which the cold open business that, you know, I kind of felt was kind of long and I, I didn't really need it. I don't know how you felt. I mean, I, I understood that it was setting us up for this concept of the stray, which I am eager to discuss a little bit. But I felt... Um, I felt like it was kind of a long cold open. It was a little trick, right? Where the whole cat running around on the street, that was uh, the cat making his way to William the first time. Right. 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 So it's a little, little trickery on the part of the producers. Yeah, exactly. Whatevs. So let's talk about, since you brought up Randall, let's talk about, or since you brought up William, let's talk about Randall first. So Randall was in his room working on a little eight ball uh, rig situation there. What do you think about that? Clever. You, you'd probably just get the date just based off of going through the effort, right? I thought so. Uh, so that's a, I mean, it's, it's, it, and it's not even like it's a cheap trick. It's more like, I don't know, it's a clever trick. It's a trick, but it's a clever trick. I think it's, it, it's classified as wooing, no? Like showing, showing somebody. Oh, yeah. That like, look how smart I am, and look, look at my, look at my, my ways. I, I think it's you know, it was actually a nice way, as opposed to sometimes boys can do things like pull hair. Or Where do, do you even things. get um, engraved uh, little pyramids to to put in uh, something like that? Well, he took it apart. Well, yeah, but he still had to make the words appear on it. Right. So I don't know how he managed to get something that was waterproof that then he was able to. Well, those little things are engraved. It. When's the last time you've seen an eight ball? No, he had a he had like tweezers and he was like gluing the oh, triangle I understand. back over the top. But, but it wasn't engraved then. He was gluing it over the side. No, when she shook it, it appeared in the window like right. any other one of them. Right. So I'm saying those little things in there, he had to manipulate in some way so that no there's only one little thing in there and it has different sides and he glued the sides glued the sides he glued the words onto the sides of the one little thing inside there all right well that is quite a bit of of (laughs) wooing um effort sorry there's like a mini bike rally going on in the cul-de-sac pretty smart behavior with iced over roads now see if he ate shit right now I would have a lack of empathy for that situation. <laughs> so mean. Okay, so yeah, I thought that that was super clever. Um, I hadn't, I have seen an eight ball. You know, I'm gonna share a little fact about me that uh, that you don't know, Paul. But back in middle school, we uh, used to have like massive sleepovers at my house, and one time 
we actually made a game, which it appeared to be a game of chance. This involved boys, but it had been rigged so that the boy that we wanted to end up with, we were aligned with the right boys. So this game was actually called Rig It Amongst Us Girls. And we actually did that. (laughs) I think I might have like photographs of the Rig It stuff. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Weren't you supposed to pass that down to... I don't have anybody Little horny who, middle schoolers uh, of it the next of the incoming crop. Horny. It was more like crushes. It wasn't so gross as you. Um, <laughs> God. But yeah, no. So yeah, no. We totally played this game called Rigget. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it was just as charming as as Randall's. Like, you know what? I can tell you that in the end, there was some figuring out that perhaps these things had been rigged because of the clear. Everyone was happy with who they ended up with. And so that rarely happens in those games of chance, right? And so then, uh, yeah, yes, I, I can remember multiple boys being very flattered by very the fact that they would have been rigged to be to certain people, like that they had been chosen like that. And that's the point of this, right? Allison's supposed to feel very flattered. And she is yet another piece of that flash forward we got at the beginning of the season that you pointed out i didn't even really quite put it together but you're like hey that's the girl from the flash forward what what does flash forward mean when they figure out that jack is dead and and they're kind of gathering up the kids and kevin's missing and then there's the red-haired girl with with randall and there's uh kate with the dog well the dog's already come into it the dog's come in and now she's the puzzle piece that's the red-haired girl and it's it's uh it's this episode especially, and God, the uh, preview for next week are all. I mean, we are close to the to the spiral here. Yeah. You know, I mean, th- we are. And you know how, like, when you are in a spiral kind of situation, it's sort of like when you feel like the drain in the tub, where at first, like, the whirlpool starts very wide, but it's kind of slow, and it goes in and in and in. I feel nauseous, like you would, with how fast the whirlpool is spinning at this point. Yeah, it feels really really bad so let's get over to miss kate who is feeling really really bad she has asked her mom to come on this mall trip which i thought was a little odd i wasn't sure and rebecca certainly acted in a way that was like first time ever lifetime that she's ever been asked to go shopping and you know i definitely did not ask my mom to go shopping i would have definitely taken my friends to go dress shopping i felt this but i felt confused about her whole sort of disintegration of the plan i guess i guess this maybe just showed how as teenagers specifically you know they think they they have an idea in their head and as the plan sort of falls apart they just start floundering because of how she just left rebecca standing in the store and like went to a different mall store i would have killed one of our children for doing that and i'm pretty sure my mom would have been like we're going home now like if i just like left what i mean what would your mom do if you she turned around she'd been looking at something you just had left the store she would have made brief eye contact and kept walking out to the car (laughs) yeah i mean it would have been over i mean i that that's some really crappy move to do to somebody anybody if you did that to a friend it would have been crappy but Damn, you ask your mom to go shopping with you and then you leave her high and dry in the store. That's like a prank. Given what she told Madison at the end of this episode. Which her current day really, really, really mashes into this. I guess we have to talk about that. At least just the the couple sentences she shared in the current day. 
right now, even in the flashback section, because she explained the dressing room scene. Well, she did in a way to, to sympathize with what Madison had explained about, do you feel like I'm insane? And, and Kate explained she kind of had this reverse scenario from Madison's deal, but also, you know, comes from the same kind of place i don't want to say something too strong like psychosis or something but i'm sure it's like the same emotional center would would generate either feeling you know for different people that explanation coupled with what she did in the dressing room made me wonder if inviting the mom was just kind of part of that like she thought self-destructive depressive See, I thought it Kinda. was like the like the plan fell apart. So I thought she had planned to be in a size seven. She was going to put on the seven. She, I think in her head, she was going to come out. Rebecca was going to be proud of her and she was going to be happy and it was going to be a good moment. See, I think it's, I think it's, I don't know. I'm seeing, I'm seeing a little was, blacker than that. Well, I'm I think seeing, she was surprised that she wasn't happy to be in the seven. I thought it was more like her mom is just part of this. You know, her skinny, pretty singing mom is just just part of this inner dialogue of of mom skinny, you're fat, that that kind of thing that that she admits she's very comfortable with. So I don't know. I, you're right that it was probably like a plan that fell apart, but it's also just felt like that part of the plan was the self-destructive part, you know, or at least represented it. Interesting. Okay. I'm so, not saying I'm not saying it's rational. I'm just saying No, no, and she admitted. I mean, that was the whole point of it, right? Was that this wasn't about being rational. This was about, you know, how you feel and how you cope. And I see I think it took her by surprise when she when the size 7 dress fit and she wasn't elated. It took her by surprise, I felt. And then putting on the 5 and then it not fitting and her having those t- bad feelings felt familiar and so then she just sort of flowed back to her own self of being like snotty door mom why is that it, it, and at first i was like well she's got other mental problems but that's that's not exactly right because after, after a little more self-examination ellen i <laughs> i can really identify with that depressive state that might be involved in there in that when good things happen to you and for some reason you are already depressed it doesn't matter it just is like well yeah just another thing it doesn't it doesn't help you out it doesn't raise you up it doesn't do anything you know it's just like one more stupid event that happened today and i'm not saying that's exactly her problem i'm just saying i can understand it a little better if i look at it through my own uh experiences that makes sense to me. And certainly I can understand from the standpoint, although I feel like I would have been happy um, with having set the goal, um, but I can understand the idea of having that familiar. For me, it's not the it's not the self-hate part that's the familiar, but it's the striving to be the smaller size that's familiar. And so then being content with whatever size I'm at always feels restless, like always feels like. I'm not quite either either so then I'll eat something and like eat for a couple of weeks or something so that I'm a higher size and then oh what do I have to do go back to that old familiar 
I'm working on getting to be that smaller size feeling again. And so for me, I feel like that's like very common. So then like reading, reaching your goal while you want to be happy, there's also this like weird restless, like, you know, but the way that I live my everyday 365 is in a state of trying to get smaller. So how do I possibly be content with where I'm at? You know, how do, how do I be at my goal? I don't know how to do that. So I understood that part. I, I, I felt bad for Rebecca because boy, no matter what the reasons were, everything we just described, she was very much just a pawn in this situation. <laughs> very much on the outside. She, right. No matter whether Kate's, Kate's in, intent was always good or, or never really very thoughtful or whatever, it doesn't really matter. She just had no idea. Poor mom has no idea what's going on. I thought the biggest meatiest part of our flashback was everything with Jack. Kevin and Miguel. And we started off with Jack with making that entertainment center down in the basement, it appeared, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've been trying to disassemble different possible theories for uh, how how this is going to wind up for Jack. And a lot of the theories seem to revolve around him needing to be in the basement for some right, reason. Right, whether it be a washing machine situation, whether it be that Kevin's bedroom had moved to the basement or now he's doing this work down in the entertainment center workshop area. Everything agreed seems to be that he's down in the basement somehow. He seems like a very careful worker. I was wondering if there was like a power tool incident or maybe I was just thinking, you know, a lot of people will stain um, entertainment centers rather than paint them. Okay. And that is like a super flammable kind of thing if you don't take care of it correctly. But they showed us that he's the kind of guy that really sands down the edges. You right? know, he is a careful uh, craftsman. So the my idea main, of a sloppy work area doesn't doesn't work for me. My gut feel was more that it just puts him so out of pocket from the main floor that if stuff was going on on the main floor, he is just down in the basement. And a lot of people had thought maybe he would have run back in or gone down to the basement to find Kevin with Kevin not being down there, but again, sort of trapping him in the basement um, or, or this washing machine or whatever. But now the entertainment unit, it's like maybe he's down there with the power saw going in a way that he isn't hearing what's happening upstairs, somehow being out of pocket, you know, being mm -hmm. downstairs secluded is, is definitely shaping up to be a problem. But he spends this episode really bonding with Kevin, I felt. And at first, you know, doing the really standard, as Kevin points out, Jack behavior of pep talking Kevin from getting up off the couch and getting out there. And they decide they're, he apparently needs to go get suits for work. And Kevin, he feels, should get a new suit for the dance. And then Kevin also makes fun of him for trying to be upbeat about Miguel's uh, personal situation. Which I don't know if making fun is quite the right word because I feel like Miguel does also agree with him. So I don't think it's a making fun, but it's just pointing out like, dad, you always do that. Like you always pep talk instead of just allowing somebody to have a bad feeling. You're always trying to go immediately to the solution, which, you know, I, I feel like in our family, there can be times when we go immediately to the pep talk and we don't give enough time to the like this part hurts, you know, and it's allowed to hurt or be sad for a moment. 
What did you think of seeing Miguel in the mall and his whole Shelly's getting married? And he's like, apparently they ski now. It's like they've, they've been trying to build up Miguel a little bit for us to give us a bigger picture of who he is, what he's about, and and why we should feel okay that, that he and Rebecca are together in the current timeline. And so that was just more texture for me. It, it made me kind of wonder what went wrong with wife number one. But um, not in like a, oh, well, he messed that up kind of way. I mean, I don't know if he did or not. Um, just just like I said, texture for, for Miguel's life. Jack, I think bolstered by his friend, Miguel, even pointing out like, hey, you never really allow a guy to just be bummed out, um, escorts the men to the food court for some comfort food and some some chat. Yeah, I'm sure some fries and pretzels will help that out. It always does, Paul. <laughs> always you, does. What's the matter with you over there? That's exactly what helps. You have mm. to eat and talk, right? Right, right. That's what always makes me feel better. You're so weird. What does meeting and talking doesn't make no, you no, feel it, better? No, no, it does. It does for, for a little while. I mean, how many times after a big meeting have I said, let's go pig out? Right. Let's go have a pizza. That would make us all feel better. Well, I loved it that Miguel really called Jack out um, here because Kevin, see now this, Ellen, is my problem. Kevin says to Jack, it's not like you ever had anything that you loved and you lost it. And Jack's like, yeah, whatever. You know, like, Kevin, like you're such a snot sometimes, you know? Now, are all teenagers? Sure. Yes. Did we just say that Kate was a snotty one to Rebecca? Yes, for sure. But those are the moments that make that that undercut Kevin. And, you know, you start feeling good about Kevin. Then you still, oh, Kevin. So he makes this comment and Miguel swoops in and says, no, 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 no. Let me tell you a thing or two, Kevin, about your dad. And that's when he, he brings up a storyline from I probably, I guess, there was a little bit of it this season, right? But I don't, predominantly in season one. About starting big three and deciding no, big three is not a good idea. And, and not even really deciding that big three is not a good idea, but choosing the children's stability and wanting to provide for the for the three kids over sh going after his own dream. That he put his dream on the shelf so that he could just provide this very stable lifestyle for his three kids. That's when he delivers the, the line on the... Um, on the commercial, own your choices, boys. Don't look back. Like, I really respect those words because we have made a lot of decisions that way that, you know, if if we wanted to sit around and just have like a murder-suicide pact, we could probably just <laughs> think about all these decisions that we've made. Right, but, exactly. But uh, we don't want that. We'd rather keep going. So we're well, not going to. yeah. And our, our mantra around this house is you made the best decision you could at the time with the information you had. And that's that's what we absolutely live our lives on. And I felt that that this really goes hand in hand with that. It's like, and once you make that choice, own it and own it fully and don't do it halfway. Just just put your head down and go down that road that you pick. So I really enjoyed that. Now this, this scene with Jack and Kevin in the suit store, y'all, I have not full on tears rolling down my face this entire show. And I've watched since the very first moment with everyone. And, you know, I definitely get teary. I definitely get emotional. I definitely feel sad, but I've never had the tears flow out. This suit scene Oh my God. Having that overwhelming feeling, a realization is a better word, that they are choosing the suits that Kevin for sure is going to wear to the funeral 
Jack is in an urn at the funeral. But the the realization of this is like my heart like broke in two. I mean, Paul and I were on two separate couches and I looked over and I said, this they're buying the funeral suits. <laughs> and I mean, Paul's face like went like stricken. Like he was silent. I was crying. It was like, oh my God. Because I always have this thing where I feel like you know, none of us ever know when the end is coming. My mom will say, you don't know when the last uh, chapter is written in your book. So the idea that you could see the 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 scenes about to happen, you know, it's sort of like watching one of those like Dateline stories where they, they tell you the days preceding. None of us know that this is the day before we're going to die, you know? Yeah. So it's so just as a human experience, like it's, it's the most difficult thing to, to realize it before it happens, you know, like realize there was choices being made, see the choices being made, you know, and realizing that they all added up to this moment. I think about that a lot. Like I, I, I try not to worry about it, but I think about it of like, you know, the fact that we chose to eat out last night, we chose to drive down this road, then that road, the, that we, someone else picked up the kids today. Some some weird thing, especially if it's out of the routine, which they sort of made out that this mall trip was a really out of routine thing for them to all go do. It turns into this like, you know, and that was the last day, you know, that you feel like. Ah. It's like a Schrodinger's cat kind of situation, right? Since every day could be your last day, then every day is your last day. You can't tell the difference. Right. Whoa. Paul, that's like mind blowing. Is that overwhelming as like humans? Yeah, that's why we don't think about it. <laughs> we just can't, right? Right. Because too would much like... time spent on that would would uh you'd either do nothing ever or become wildly erratic and just try to do everything. Uh, where I feel like people would like take their own lives just to be like, let it just be done. At least if it's gonna happen, be it by my own hand and control, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's definitely one of those things that it, it, this was hard. I mean, how did you feel? Did you recognize that suit scene for what it was? Or was it just after you looked over at me and I was crying? It was I after I looked at you, but then looking back at them, I mean, I personally prefer black suits. I feel like they are classically go with just any, anything, you know, you can use them for all different kinds of things. But the one thing that you always use them for is funerals. And uh, I have worn a black suit at an occasion that probably called for some other lighter color and been accused of wearing a funeral suit at the wrong occasion. Damn. You know? That was snotty. Uh, and I was, yeah, I thought so. I thought, you know, this is a suit occasion. Suit being worn, check. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? But uh, others don't see it that way. But I did see that they were wearing black suits. Right. Uh, classic funeral suit attire. And I know you identified with that dad advice that that Jack was giving with the button talk. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I don't know why they even make three buttons if you're not supposed to use the bottom button, but you're not supposed to use the bottom button. That's what he meant when he said sometimes, always, never. He's referring to the buttons on the coat. Top, sometimes, middle, always, bottom, never. Had you heard that advice before? Yeah. In like GQ or something like that. Wow. First of all, I'm shocked that you've ever read GQ. And secondly, I... It might have been Parade Magazine. 
<laughs> You're like, I think it was a crossword. <laughs> it was part of the jumble. Right, it was Family Circus <laughs> or GQ. Oh my God. <laughs> That's the Paul we know and love. <laughs> oh my God. Hilarious, Polly. Well, way to inject some humor into our super sad suit store scene. I would say that that last moment, of course, too, Kevin saying, Thank you, Dad. Finally, something genuine. It seemed it was so sincere. It was such a lovely moment, you know. And even his guard um, was down. Yep, he and was he, a human. He, he made he made a very hard for a teenage boy. He made a joke, and Jack like laughed, and they they clearly, you know, if this is truly their last moments together, then I would say they were wonderful, and I'm 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 glad for Kevin to have had. That moment with his dad, because that definitely seemed so. It's um, the night of the dance. That's that he's going to pass away. Yeah, yeah because that's. that's I, think. I mean, that's the classic time to go missing, right? right? And be found or in, miss curfew in a car afterwards, right? I don't know what you're talking it about. Is uh, is after the dance? So yeah, that 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 makes a lot of sense. Yep, and that we saw Kate didn't get a dress. Kate wouldn't be going. So then Kate left her. Kate, you know, Kate didn't get one, and yeah. uh, and Randall would have been with the red-haired girl. Yeah. So yeah, unfortunately, this is starting to congeal. Gel, yeah. definitely starting to gel. So, so that last shot of the smoke alarm was—I mean, that was like an unambiguous. Oh my God. Okay. So first of all, I know having read the boards uh, that there were more than one per person who said the same thing I did, which when Rebecca goes, do you feel like we forgot something? I was like, Randall. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently I was not the only one because Randall was so like not a huge player in the mall, you know, like it was like we saw him just so infrequently and he was a little, the way that they edited, it was a little confusing to me about like, did he go to the food court after he talked to the girl? Did he talk to the girl and then went to the food court? I couldn't really exactly put it together. I thought that the food court conversation motivated him to go talk to the girl with the red hair. But then it seemed like maybe he could have gotten off track. And then Rebecca was upset with Kate. So maybe they did leave in a hurry. But again, who, who would leave Randall? That's nuts. I know. But then we zoomed in on the smoke detector with the... Missing battery. Missing battery. And again, thank you to the interweb for a lot of research. And uh, if you all remember, when we went back to the three episodes in a row where we saw the one day back all together, right? Before Christmas break, we saw that Kate had been walking around with those Sony Walkman and she had been listening. And there was that one moment in time when she actually was putting a battery in it. A lot of people, including myself, would have said, no, Walkmans use double A's, right? That's yeah. what I definitely would have thought. However, someone went back and found an actual write-up in a catalog and circled the part where it says requires 9-volt battery. So it was the same 9-volt little dangling thing out of the smoke detector as her Walkman would have required. And we all know that she blames herself. We thought it had to do with the dog, but I am putting my basket now. My one egg having to do with why Kate feels bad goes in the, she took the battery out of the smoke detector. I wonder if they're shaping it up so that all three kids will have something that they will have contributed to Jack's death that not necessarily made it happen, but 
you could easily blame yourself for that being the thing that that did it. You I know? think that that makes sense. And I think that in any untimely death or accidental death, again, you know, everybody look, does the look back, you know, and says, had I not taken that road that day, had we not done, the, you know, everybody finds their. Um, but th- I mean, these, these are starting to sound very plausible. I mean, uh, smoke alarm or for for Kate. And, That's and the, huge. the fact that Kevin, I think, is is going to have been missing from that evening, which means, again, had he been looking for Kevin in the basement or calling for Kevin or anything like that in the basement, Kevin not being there, at least maybe maybe used up some time, you know, that he would could have been safe. Nothing has really emerged for Randall that I know of, but it also might not surprise me that he doesn't have that same lingering doubt that that it, that the other two do um because that's just not the way he integrates into the family i don't um, know i'm not sure i i definitely i mean i was i was always i was trying to think about rebecca too if it ends up that that washing machine has some sort of spark or something that ends up lighting the maybe a entertainment rag, center rag, rag then he's making the entertainment for rebecca the entertainment center he was he bought the washing machine for rebecca you know, it was like her washing machine and her project down there. How come when I buy you washing machines, you don't say they're for you, you say they're for the whole family? <laughs> they're definitely the whole family's washing machine. They're not my washing machine. And that was yesteryear, Paul. That's when that's what we thought. It was we the were 90s. About. We were there in the 90s. That's what we thought when we were about. Listen, it's 2018. Women and, you know, we think differently now. So that's you for respect sure. us in a different way, my friends. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about washing machines for the wife. That's not a thing. No. Nor was it really ever. Let me just tell you, we just didn't have a good enough PR situation to let y'all know to stop it. Yeah. PR is scary now. We all just had to be mad individually. <laughs> now we're mad as a group. So. <laughs> yes. Knock it off. That y'all. is true. Let's get current day. Okay, Okay. so we're going to start off with Kate, and we have this Madison storyline. I thought that Kate sharing at group that she had gotten into the Taco Bell. First of all, you know, I'm confused from a product placement point of view. When they do that and they mention places like that where it's a brand name, and then, um, but they're saying something negative about it. What's that all about, Paul? Was it like how she says, I found comfort in Taco Bell? Is that an advertisement for Taco Bell or actually a bash on Taco Bell? I don't know. I mean, there's a. She said they have their new Dorito out. Like, I mean, she almost said like a tagline for them. Yeah. I mean, there's product placement. There's. um, But then what was that? Because it's obviously a negative. I mean, she's saying, please, overeaters, don't go there. Did she say that? Well, she didn't say those exact words, but she said, I'm back on track. So, you know, I won't be doing that. Is it kind of one of those all publicity is good publicity kind of situations? I was watching Blackish the other day and they were going through this menu thing and they were like, the last thing I want to do is end up at Chipotle. So come on. And then they're looking through the menus and she's like, "Uh, who put this P.F. Chang's one back in here? I thought we threw it away already. Like they were like directly naming every spot. I kept thinking, you know, boy, is this like a thing now where it's just like, like you said, all publicity is good publicity or what? Or maybe NBC Universal is just like, come at me, bro. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, I don't, I, it struck me just because that was like twice in one week where they were rattling off restaurant names and being negative about them. It was weird. Very weird. Well, I mean, NBC, if you think about it, they play commercials. So, 
if a lot, a lot of people complain about how many in these. If in these uh, Taco Bell's not interested in advertising on, you know, one of the three largest channels in the country, they, they can just roll the dice going with just two of them. You know what I mean? I'm kind of not counting Fox and CW as being big as ABC and CBS. So maybe that's totally wrong, antiquated. But the point is, they don't want to do that. So NBC is kind of putting their thumb in their eye a little bit and rubbing it around. Maybe, but is that is that what they were doing? Because, I, I mean, maybe not. Maybe it's the all publicity is good publicity. Thank God you they said could, Taco Bell. I mean, they could have said... But you said, said Taco Bell in... They yeah. could have said Big Kahuna Burger. I you know? know. And they made a point last last one to make it look like the KFC bucket, but it definitely did not say KFC on it. Which is interesting because those are the same parents. I know. And so that meant she was like, they kind of bashed both KFC and Taco Bell. I don't know. I was just wondering, I don't know if anybody listening out there understands how, you know, product placement works. Maybe and Taco Bell okay? has already pulled their advertising oh, for this another is a reason. Blackmail kind <laughs> right. of smack This is like, fine, we don't need you. I don't know. Maybe it is. I don't know. If you guys listening understand how product placement works and whether or not it's okay to have like a negative comment like this, like, please let me know. So Madison, I thought was actually being a pretty cool gal here and- I think we're going to see a lot more Madison in the coming episodes. She really pointed out the fact that we had seen zero friends for Kate. Now, we've seen zero friends for any of them, but usually girls are a little more social. And I don't know. I, I would have thought she might have had a pal or two, you know. Kate, this whole time that I've known her, which is, you know, some portion of the first ep- first season and all of the second season, has been when she's not centered on Kevin, then she's centered on Toby. And when she's not centered on Toby, she's centered on herself and that is like it that's the kate universe you know yeah a little bit of time for randall a little bit of time for mom but mostly kevin toby herself that's it it's just a bummer because like i said i mean it's just um you know you would have thought she would have had someone to to go to lunch with or or to you know go do something with go see a movie but um, but no, it didn't seem that way. So when Madison came along, I thought that that was really cool of her to do the, um, you know, the appointment only. So she'd be the only person there. And the Madison side storyline, what did you think about, you know, the her binging on macaroons and then turning out she's actually bulimic, though they never use the word. I'm 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 kind of a little confused why they didn't go ahead and use the word because I, I felt like there might be some people in the world who have a hard time identifying like like they might do these exact same habits and not actually call it. Um, and so I wondered why they didn't just go ahead and call it for what it was. That storyline had a lot of predictability to it when she, especially when she said, gotta go pee or whatever. Yeah, and that was, I mean, it was just obvious what was happening there to everybody. Later on though, when they're at Madison's house and, you know, they're explaining themselves to each other. And it was clear, like Madison was just sort of like a, a mirror image of Kate or a dark mirror image, right? She was the, um, com- she was the opposite, but every, but that didn't mean that they were different. You know what I mean? That was just right. like a reflection. And so n- rounding out the, the picture a little bit with this, helped legitimize why she felt like she needed to be at this this group a little bit you know like kate has pointed out to her several times that she doesn't feel like she has any any place there and now this may not be the right group for her but she does need somebody 
you know? Right. And, and I think that the idea of, um, if you look at the group in a, in a more, I mean, like, she does overeat. Right. If right. If you cast the net like wider in terms of eating disorders, it's not just like comfort eating and gaining weight. It's also it's it's essentially just having any kind of distorted relationship with food, whether it be right, whatever your way of handling it is. And for some people, you know, for anorexic people like they can't they cannot bring themselves to eat. It would help her so, probably yeah. more to be in a more diverse group instead of a group well, only made of heavy people. Well, and I wish that they had. That's why I kind of wish that they named it, because I felt like it would have made people recognize it as this is an actual disorder and this is a real thing. And, you know, this whole time, you know, even Kate said, you know, now say something in Madison so we can all roll our eyes at you. And she's like, I think my wrists are getting fat. And then everyone groans and, you know, cut to commercial or whatever. It's sort of like, um, you know, that even within the group, though they're supposed to understand eating disorders, clearly the group leader isn't even giving bulimia any respect you know yeah. for what it is which is kind of sad and and but at the end of the day weird. she's hurting herself oh absolutely and, and, and has kate's a, more or less hurting herself and they both have they both utilize food for different reasons and and she showed that she did it in different ways like that she binged on the cookies felt guilty about it she had over-exercised, she made it sound like, um, to warrant being able to eat the cookies. And then she was going to now throw them up. But then, in addition, she had this additional issue with then she felt so bad about having the argument with Kate that she did it again. Like, so she did it when she was happy, she overate and threw up. And then when she was sad, she, like, overate and threw up and then hit her head. And so she had a a, a little... Like you said, a relationship with food, but also with size it makes me wonder what she thinks of Kate. Because when she saw her friend from the shop come out and she said that she hated her for being so much, thin, so thin um, it it made me realize she she might look at everybody in terms of, of well, is this person – maybe it's not – maybe she's not worried about people bigger than her, but she definitely seems focused on people smaller than her. Well, and I didn't even think that that woman was smaller than me her. Me neither. I, I mean, I thought that she, she, was a, she was a beautiful figure, but she didn't um, – like, she didn't stand out as being, like, stick thin. She looked very normal and healthy. Yeah. And, you know – but you're right. I think that that showed, like, a really distorted view. Like, you know, to even bring up someone else's size and say, I hate you is a pretty – instead of saying hi how are you you know yes. it's kind of a kind of a weird thing to say to someone um the line of the cat the kate madison thing that of course made me chuckle was when when madison goes oh my god should we host a podcast right <laughs> that felt like it shot to 2018 like beautifully i mean obviously as podcasters we have to chuckle 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 because you know kate totally is like yeah no one wants that it's sort of like you know not everybody that's wants not to true hear your really opinions. i think i think actually having two people with eating problems uh, that come from similar places but are executed in very different ways on a podcast could probably help somebody out. I think it would do. They probably actually could do a very good one. But I love the way it kind of like, you know, <laughs> shot across our noses here, Paul. <laughs> yes. I thought it was funny. And well, cool. when she said nobody wants that. We were like, like that's hurtful. That's hurtful, Kate. <laughs> Yeah. So what do you make of the of do we think we're going to have a Kate Madison uh, actual friendship here? Was this a was this just a little a little side jaunt so that think, Kate could tell her story? I think it may be where Madison 
still kind of represents a little bit of just a confusion and and like a source of uh what's the right word i don't know mild consternation on kate's part but i do think madison's gonna try to try to do this friend thing with her so i think that that kate having madison around does allow for more diversity in terms of of eating and the the obsessive compulsion that is all around maybe it'll help her get out of the kind of the character rut i never really examined it her universe being just those three corners but i think i'm right and that then and that means she does need to expand a little bit in order to to stay interesting you know it can't just be this weight thing you know it's got to be something else well and and like you said like more angles on the weight thing like like there's other there's other parts to people having a a difficult relationship with food so i think it it, like you said it just it just provides like more avenues for kate's character to go so i'm okay with it i'm good and and i think it it that conversation obviously provided all the context for you know what was going on in the flashback so we, we whole wholly needed it Let's move on to Kevin and his current situation. I totally uh, enjoyed his conversation with with Barbara. Babs. Oh, my God. That was so funny when she did that little countdown thing of how many seconds are in a day. The first thing I thought of was rent, but I thought he was going to sing the rest of the line. You know, being an actor, I just thought he would like fill it in. And so I was like, oh, and he's like, did you get that from rent? Barbara is so like curmudgeonly blah you know that she's like no and you can't call me babs like she's just so like yeah i mean i still stand by how i felt about babs from last week which is i feel like she let him explore an area that that was maybe partially explained what what was up with him emotionally but i don't think it was the meaty part i don't think it was the the part that he really needed to work on so i'm glad we're done with babs because because i don't think she did I don't think she used his time well. Right. So what did you think about the choice for Kevin to go move with Rebecca and Miguel? Well, you know, we talked about this offline a little bit and kind of figured out that Kevin has been highly transient this whole time. And so he, he, Beth was not going to welcome him very openly there. You know, right. That was it was too too much of an open wound. Kate uh, and Toby that I mean, you would have to sleep on a couch and, you know, they're just they're still in a very early stage in in their life together. You know, not the right time for an extended couch visitor. So mom makes a lot of sense. Well, and in addition to that, Toby had already expressed to Kevin that he really needed Kevin to allow some more space, space right, for yeah. Toby to be there. So coming into that situation would have been really, really a negative. Uncool. So, right. So then Rebecca made total sense. And, you know, where do you go when you're really feeling at your worst? Mom. 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 Mom, mom please. please. <laughs> mom, please. That's what we always say. Like when I'm really having a bad day and I call and my dad will answer the phone, and I'm like, mom, please. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, it's not I love dad but dad doesn't have any answers for what I'm looking for right at that minute and like and like if I really need something my mom's a nurse so you know especially if it's like medical you know I'm like calling and he's like what's going on I'm like mom please like, like right. can't even can't even right now 
<laughs> can't shoot the shit about what Penn State's up to this week. I just can't. How'd you feel about this grocery store sitch, Paul? I loved when he was like, so I need to make a schedule. Mondays, I go grocery shopping with mom. Like That was, that was funny. It was cute and adorable. Well, in that he realized that he is at a point in his life when he is definitely starting a lot over you know whatever yeah, whatever wherever he had been before he, he is rebuilding you know and he it's funny because he didn't he didn't not go and he didn't not do his best at this shopping or something like that it's just he had a moment of realization like wow i've kind of fallen a ways here so that was important i thought make him make him likable how'd you feel about miguel barging in horning in uh, Miguel was doing very good husbanding, husbanding right then. Tell. Um, as he explained in the store, last time he left those two alone together, you know, uh, Kevin went for the throat and, you know, I'm sure Miguel wouldn't want to put his fist through Kevin's face. Oh, but I stop. It wouldn't get physical. I think it would be just verbal. I think he might escort him out of the room. Yes. If, or uh, escort Rebecca out. Somebody. Yeah. I mean, he said protect. That doesn't mean berate. That means, you know, defuse. Right. Yeah, right. Get rid, get in between. So, yeah, I think Miguel was there, just like he said, to protect. There was a lot of truth telling there going on in the grocery store. I like Miguel a lot because he he hasn't been given a lot of a lot of screen time yet but everything that i've seen he is uh and i don't know how he was in the in the first season but this season he's like a straight freaking shooter you know and he, you ask him a question he tells you the answer you know yeah i like that too and you know miguel has been a a difficult character because of you know just his circumstances of where he's coming in to the whole situation and you know he he's standing in jack's shoes and that is very, very difficult. So I think that Miguel is doing his best. I, I do like it as a as a husband that he's he's stepped up for for Rebecca. I, I really liked the scene of them being on the couch watching tiny homes and or tiny houses and how cute that seemed and and from and comfortable and easy. Um, all of that. So I, I felt like, you know, I was glad to have a glimpse into them as a couple because I don't feel like we've had that at all. Well, yeah. and and as she explains later, she's she's consciously on guard about her kids seeing her overly familiar with Miguel, you know. Right. And so probably every time we've seen them together, she might have been keeping some distance between herself and Miguel, making it seem like a custodial arrangement rather than, <laughs> nice. rather than man and wife. Which would know? really mess with Randall, Kate, and Kevin's head. If you never saw them being loving together, you know, on one hand, it would, of course, be difficult. But on the other hand, like, how do you ever become comfortable with it if you yeah. only see them as sort of, you know, rotating around right. the room on opposite sides? The guy that to, hangs out with your mom. Yeah, <laughs> it would seem like you could never get to a place where you could get comfortable with them together so the conversations that were had there were some pretty really deep ones that happened uh kevin admitted to rebecca that he lost the necklace that was a pretty big one how'd you feel about rebecca responding there um i think that it was i mean she had her own deal with a necklace which i i'm afraid i don't know the significance of but jack gave her that necklace i figured i figured that's the only thing that would really contextually make sense but um I feel like it was probably 
probably a good move to let him off, not not try to be like, that was your dad's or, you know, try any, any of that stuff that may come naturally to other people. Um, I think I like the way that she worded it because I think as a mom and as Rebecca, she did feel like that was Jack's. But what she said was your dad would understand. And that is like what he needed to know was that your dad would forgive you and your dad would be okay with this. And, and so I am expressing that compassion, you know, on behalf of him. But I think that, as you know having these last little pieces of jack around i it would be hard to believe that she herself wasn't feeling very angry about that it it's important though i mean he came clean i mean he did and i give him total props for that yeah i mean so it's it's not something that was sitting easy with him you know it wasn't just like oh by the way uh, piece of shit I wore around my necklace. It was, it's gone now. Not at all. He it, didn't treat it lightly it, no, at all. It was, Not it was a all. moment and it was sincere and, and, and you, I'm glad you could that, tell he felt like shit about it. And I'm glad he didn't wait to be called out on it because that would have been something really easy to happen right, to. Right. Where then he was like he's shirtless all of a sudden. It's like, where's the necklace? You yeah. Know? Anything that, that would have been bad. So I, I do appreciate his, his honesty. What did you think about the conversation with Miguel? When, you know, Miguel does express why he went shopping with them and they have that I'm her husband. Oh, that 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 was a cheap shot, but it was also probably not. Um, I think Kevin shot from the hip right there, you know, and it wasn't like a fully thought out thing. He didn't. He seemed more like he was information gathering and then offended. So he shot back. You know what I mean? So. Right. Uh, I appreciated that they brought that to a close really quickly because they both apologized. Like he was like, I'm sorry, you know, Miguel, I assume it was later that evening, you know, and they both forgave each other really quickly. Maybe later it'll help when the writers finally let Kevin approach his feelings about his dad and his dad's death, maybe seeing how his mom has wound up with Miguel will help it help him deal with that in some way. Like, like if he, for some reason has this lingering doubt about his role in his dad's death and then seeing his mom afterwards as a result, you know, whatever happens to her, whether just kind of always having this doubt, like I did that to her, whatever it is that is, you know, just not as good as it was, you know what I mean? Right. So maybe seeing that she's actually okay with Miguel and like she explains later about how happiness just left her life for several years. And now it's not the same happiness, but it is happiness. And She'll take it. That could serve to help him grow, you know, quite a bit uh, as long as long as they let him, you know, put it all together. Miguel's sincere love of Rebecca now and the fact that they address the part that Miguel was not like hawking after Rebecca this whole time. But that that was that was juicy um, uh, trailer bait there. But but I mean, Miguel. What did you think? It was very skillful, I thought. Well, and it was it was uh honest in in a way that i could identify with like like um i think a lot of people think of me and you as paul and caroline as one unit and so to think of us as well i think your family thinks of us as caroline and paul but i get the <laughs> idea either which way i don't care how you say our names but that we're a unit right and that that the idea of um trying to 
only look at one without the other is like you said unthinkable right and that and and it's true in a in a long standing relationship especially when you've been together paul and i've been together since we're 17 people honestly the majority of people in our lives who know us now that we interact with have never known us in any other way including people who have known us for 20 plus years haven't known us any other way than being together and so in that way, it's it's understandable when you look at it like that. And and you could understand how how could you how could you sort of like sexualize one of those, you know, when it's like the two of them, it's like one unit, you know, there's no way to to look at it like that. Right. Right. The person that would sexualize you would never sexualize me. <laughs> so it'd be sort of like canceling out in their minds, right? <laughs> I don't even know. I don't want anyone to sexualize me. Leave me alone. <laughs> Quit sexualizing me. <laughs> I see you out there. <laughs> Whatever. No, I. you know what I mean, though, right? That it's just like... It's, yeah, well, we I mean, it's, it's a very relatable together. feeling, though. I mean, even even if you think about, well, uh, friends or family members, something like that, that have spouses or something like that, it's like it doesn't... Like, he's, like how he said, it never even occurred to me to have romantic feelings about your mom. It's very relatable. Like, Dude, it just I'll doesn't you, enter the equation. Let me tell you why, though, why why fans are annoyed with Miguel because one time he said that she had a nice ass to Jack. I know it doesn't matter, but you see That's not the same. I don't know. I'm just saying if the if they had never had Miguel ever have said that, it, the question mark wouldn't have to be there as much. Because it, you know, it was just a good friend. Paul has a our best man. I I don't think looks at us as anything other than Paul and Caroline. And but if at some point in time he had said to you, oh, she's got a nice ass, I feel like there'd be a little more like, oh, that's a little uncomfortable, you know? No, it'd be more like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, okay. <laughs> what? Okay, let's do this then. All right. So you do have some good guy pals, right? Yeah. If I ended up marrying one of them after you passed away, would that make you happy or would you rather it be somebody you never knew and never knew you? Uh, only a few of them are good enough, I think, and they're already married, so... Let's pretend they're... Well, Miguel got divorced. Well, actually, one of... Uh, a guy... Uh, I could, no I, names. I could probably think of one that isn't married that... Uh, no names. That would uh, give you a good life <laughs> following me. But would you prefer it, regardless of those individual men, would you prefer it to be somebody that you knew and knew you and that I would like reminisce with in some way? Or would you rather it be like somebody totally you never knew? Kind of like Jack and Rebecca, we've led a family life together here that is like truth is stranger than fiction kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Sure. And so I would want I think I would be more comfortable with the idea of someone that you already knew because they they would have some understanding of where you're coming from, where someone new would appreciate you for everything you are now. But but without that background, I don't think that they would really understand everything that 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 went into you at that moment. You know what I mean? And I think that that would be key to really having a happy future with you. They just, you know, you know what I mean? In, in terms of like a deeper relationship. I agree. And I guess for us, you know, we, for those of you who don't listen to us on a regular basis, we do have three special needs kiddos. And so I think for us, there would be a layer for me that would have to have 
grown with our family in a way that knew us before and knew, you know, knew us as we were going through different times and stages with our kids and would have room for our lives um, to include the needs of children that they weren't the biological parent of um, beyond age 18 or age 21, um, which, you know, you can get married and, and have mixed families that then, you know, kids are moving off to go off and have their own lives. But in our cases, you know, if, if our if one or more of our children end up staying back with us, then in that case, there would have to be some appreciation for why, you know, that would need to be. And I agree yeah. with you. I think you'd be more comfortable if, if I wasn't trying to find somebody who like, I had no idea if they like killed cats, you know, before right. I met them, you know, like, you know, I think we'd all rather it be like, yeah, no, we were all in high school together or whatever, you know? Yeah. So, okay. Plan B. <laughs> in the books good i'm glad we settled that um for it's good. posterity and it's like totally recorded so like everybody knows where you stand there's no question mark like your family can't come back and say like i can't believe you married jojo and right <laughs> and then you'd be like no look i'll play back episode should i record like uh like i am totally comfortable with you marrying and then just name like a whole <laughs> bunch of names <laughs> yes i feel like that would really be helpful <laughs> You're terrible. Adam, Albert, <laughs> Boris. <laughs> yeah, you just read like the, the baby name book out. Right. There you go. So I would have that documented. Love it. Love it. Anyways. Okay. So I feel like, you know, Kevin's in a good spot and I, I appreciate that uh, by good spot. I mean, I think this is really good reconnecting time with, with Rebecca, but also a really important bridge to be made with Miguel and understanding Rebecca's new life. And it's really clear to me that he hasn't had the opportunity probably to see them together and be this new couple. And so I think it will actually help heal the whole family if they can start bringing Miguel in instead of looking at him like, you know, he's this square peg in the round hole. If they can start absorbing that mom is happy with him and he brings her a lot of joy and comfort and you know like she said it's a quiet or older love but it is still love and she needs that so we need to make this family whole and not keep acting like you know we have all these missing pieces you know like like she said after jack died long period where nothing could make her happy now she can be happy so would you wish upon her actually no take that away you can't be happy i'm sorry you chose that and that makes you happy but i'd rather you didn't right would you and do i don't that think there's her? any real worry about that i just don't think that any of the kids have really had an opportunity to consider that you know what that what that looks like and what that means you know yeah so all right so i feel like that was a good storyline for kevin is kevin going to stick around with rebecca for the remainder of this season will we see him maybe get a house of his own in in the neighborhood what will we see here some kind of opportunity is going to come up you know i think i think he will get comfortable and then something's going to come up i don't think what do you think sophie is she going to come back into the situation here well, we know the actress is out on maternity leave, which would yeah. give some opportunity coming. But. She seems she seems pretty like, you know, she's given him the second chance, you know, and she was kind of up front. Well, you think it's totally played out? You don't think that's his happy ending? It'd be nice. It would be nice. But she, does she I mean, did, as, a, as like a person, does she 
Owen, any any more consideration on this? Topic? I don't know. I don't know. That's a really good question. I think maybe once we find out more about what even happened around Jack's death, I think that we're coming up on, from what I can figure, um, his twentieth anniversary of his death would be this year because they're they're like thirty eight, right? So and they he died like when they were like seventeen ish. So this would be like this would be the time. Whatever this is, the time frame right now. Um, and so I think that we're going to end up having some sort of memorial or something for him. Maybe it's not like smack on the dab of 20 years. Maybe we're at 21, but you guys know what I mean. Like we're at a commemorative point and I could see where um, as we get into Randall's story, I could see that there's going to be some stuff coming up that I think that's going to happen. So let's talk about that for a second so that we can, I'll, I'll try to wind it up here with everyone. Randall's story felt very long-winded and our podcast is getting very long-winded so maybe we could hit some of the high points absolutely so the main thing for me some people had some backlash about beth in this storyline and how she was sort of like real on him about getting back to work and she they felt that she was being really not very uh understanding about randall what it do you did feel seem, about that it did seem very out of character from the Beth that we got last week um i mean this week this Beth was just, like you said, on his ass, like, just like, get a job, quit being in the clouds. Like, like Beth has not been um, typical background TV nag wife, but this was very nag wife kind of stuff that she was saying, you know? I guess, and, yeah. And Beth has always been better than that, really. You know, I, I guess so. Yeah, she's always been very understanding. I think that that it was a, a blip on the radar here, though, to have this box sort of show up. I think that this was like, you know, everyone was healing and kind of moving what seemed to be in a pretty smooth kind of way. And then, you know, it seemed like there was this sort of this this unusual jag moment where now he sort of had to go shoot off and go do with this William yeah, thinking again. And I, so I, yeah, I, okay. I, that's what I think is what's going on. I think that it, it took them out of the healing cycle. <laughs> I think so. And, and, and I will say this, if you were Beth now, they haven't extended the storyline to Beth's side of the family um, much at all. You know, she referenced them in a story to Deja, but not really much. And so if you look at it, I mean, a lot of what they deal with, in their lives is like Pearson centric. And so if you were going to get a little fed up with something, you might be like, Randall, like, when are you going to get back to like our family of four, you know, get back to work, get back to being the dad, get back to being the provider and whatever. She said it wasn't a monetary thing, but I think it was just more like head in the game here with us here instead of it being all He's about making the extended... penguin dioramas. I mean, what do Hell you want? yeah, I know. I thought he was being an excellent Mr. Mom. I, I don't have any issue. That's I'm just throwing it out there that I think for Beth, you know, there's been an awful lot, especially, you know, she has a lot of hurt and anger about the Kevin test situation, you know? So I think that there's a lot there that's still sort of like, let's focus on our family and what our family's needs are. So there's are. a lot I can identify with the idea that, yes, I accept that I can do this job that, that you know, I can do it very well and uh, I can make us a, a lot of money and I can support the whole family and it's great. And then at the end of the day, feel completely unfulfilled and hate everything about what you did that day and really prefer that you had done something else. I can totally understand that feeling. I just, you know, they obviously have the 
the the money to be able to uh, act they on, do. on, on they that. They clearly do. I think uh, they must be amazing savers because, I mean, they have a lovely home and he's been not working for a long time. And, you know, I, we don't get a good idea of how much she makes, but I, it would seem that they were set up as a two-income household, no matter how you look at it. Mm-hmm. So to cut that in half, even if it was half 50-50, it seems still like that would be hard. So... The Williams storyline, um, I thought that it was really masterfully woven way to get us to what I think is going to be the big push for the next season um, and where all these these characters are heading. You know, William's poem I thought was was lovely and, you know, it turning out to being really about, you know, Billie Holiday's mural up on the wall. You know, I appreciated him looking, having this search for, for his romantic lady and, you know, there were some really funny lines there. You know, he's talked to that one woman and he's like, the lady's like, wasn't he a fancy man? And he's like, no, he was by. And she's like, bye. Like, <laughs> but she took it like he was saying, bye, like, see you later. Like, I thought that was really funny. Uh, I liked when he came to Best Work and he was like, I think they were lovers. <laughs> like, I love the way that he was delivering it. Like, just really, um, I don't know, sends a personality. What did you think about Beth's request in general about just like the come down from outer space, just be in the real world with me? I've heard heard that one myself before. Yeah, I kind of feel like maybe. It's a damning sort of feeling because the person telling you that isn't telling you that because they want to hurt you. It's because there's some legitimacy to it that, that wherever your head is right then is kind of hurting the rest of us. And so you hate to hear it. And you don't want to hear it and you don't want to do it, but they're not telling it because they're getting off on it. They are saying it because they need you. Damn, look at all that good relationship work we've done. (laughs) Damn, y'all. Did you see that? Did you see that? Do you think that happened the first day? No. No. No, that's not how that worked. That was 20 plus years. That's right. That's right. That's where we're at. That's good. Excellent. I love it. I had this nagging, awful feeling the entire episode that he was going to miss that job interview, that somehow the whole thing about driving over to Williams. Now, if I am understanding all of the all of the geography correctly, they live in New Jersey. William lived in Pittsburgh. This is not like local. No, uh, so yeah, that's right. Because he lived of... close enough that that he would have dropped off baby Randall to the same hospital that Jack and. But that's where they lived. They were the Pittsburgh Spe- Steeler fans. Yeah, so he might have. I mean, he he lived in bus distance, right? Because he dropped him off. He he used a bus to get back home yes, from yes, the hospital. Always. So, yeah, but that's still not you know wildly close. I'm sure. Oh no! Do you know through the some distance? of the worst driving in the in the. Uh, you know, North America. All right. So I, I, I mean, just to like, I just put like the state line and I, then I put like, you know, what's the distance from New Jersey to Pittsburgh and says the, the bird, as the bird flies, the shortest distance between New Jersey and Pittsburgh is 296 miles. Okay. That's impossible. So do you see how many times he was like back and forth? Like it was, we must have a location. Not, not quite right. Then 296 would be like what a five hour drive. If you really hauled it the the whole way, you guys help us out with this, please uh, give us some feedback. Please remind us: is it Pittsburgh? And I don't know exactly where he lives in New, in New Jersey, but I I swear to God, it was supposed to be from New Jersey to Pittsburgh, and I'm seeing the state lines. So, like Newark, New Jersey to Pittsburgh is 360 miles. Like I mean, yeah. I was, and I'm saying like as the bird flies, like, I mean, I don't know y'all. It's just, it's far. And a lot of other people on the boards have been saying like, it seems like it's 
far. And Beth indicated, like, you have time to drive all the way there and drive. But it's a little confusing. So I'm going to let that go. But I'm just saying, like, that's really, really, that's really quite far, you know, I think. So we get through this entire William storyline. I thought I really liked the line about the stray. Um, when they say strays always end up with someone who needs them. I felt like that is Randall, that Randall is this stray, as as really was William. Um, and William was the stray who ends up like the whole family of the building. Clearly, you know, they went around and everybody said how much they loved him. And, you know, that's also Randall. You know, he seems to be the stray who. Well, he was taken in by a family that needed him. I mean, <laughs> exactly. And and in addition to that, though, just in his whole life, that just seems to be where he falls into, you know. And is going to be with this building. You know, he's going to end up finding people who need him. I also thought the line that they used for talking to the super when she said losing William was kind of like we lost a heart and there was no place for the blood to go. Oh, my goodness. If that doesn't describe the loss of Jack as well, I it couldn't have been more poetic. I just thought that that was such a beautifully written line and and really like hurts my heart to just think about that. You know, it, it is like, where does the pain go? Where where what are you supposed to do with all those feelings? If you have the means and a wife who knows her way around property, apparently you try to buy your dad's old building. So what do you think about this? I from what I am piecing together. I think Miguel and Rebecca's conversation about tiny homes and the reminders that Miguel was in the construction business. We have that suit store conversation where when Kevin says it's time to start big three homes, even Jack at the end saying maybe it's time and Rebecca saying, well, this is going to be an adventure then. Kate, I, I think that they've shown us that she has management uh, experience as well as like PR experience. And so she would be able to handle that side of it. Obviously, Randall has got like the buying power and certainly the like problem solving and the drive, you know, to want to make this a better place. Kevin is in search of a new passion and a new way to sort of, I think, in a productive, positive way, show his, his, uh, you know, love for his, for his family and his dad. Um, I see this as big three homes is coming to roost, whether it's going to be in the finale or whether it starts us off in the season three, because we know there's season three. Um, that's what I think this family is going to end up doing. I think it's like this whole family is going to end up in a family business together. I really like that theory. I mean, I could, a lot of the threads do start to head that direction starting this week kevin being sort of the least cohesive part of that but i could see his own spin on that might be making a tv show out of it or something like that That's since true. it's a gigantic project and yeah. he, he's sort of a ty pennington sort of build and, and look and everything yeah, but, you know? uh, but also like property brothers and so many other ones right that, where same it's like thing. you yeah where you have handsome like, guy in front of the camera and and yeah but talks to people makes them comfortable yeah. absolutely like yeah and that would actually be real a real interesting twist to it too would be if they somehow tried to make it into some sort of show that would be interesting and certainly kate would have that again like i said like that pr slash you know, connection to people where who knows what she could pull together. It'd be, you know? it'd be sort of a Kevin angle on it because it would be a circus and a little bit of a distraction, but I'm sure the 
notoriety and the extra money that would come in would would make it possible to do all these improvements right. and, that they and want from, to do. Like Randall and Beth's point of view, like it fills fulfills their needs, their passion of wanting to create beautiful places in the city and be able to for Randall on this first project, you know, provide the type of home that he wished he could have provided his dad, you know, the whole time. But now all these people who are clearly support and and friends and um and it, it fulfills Actually, if you look at it like this, it fulfills both of his father's wishes for for Randall. Like William always wanted the rest of the tenants to be taken care of. He spent all of his time with the super trying to get things fixed and work for everybody. And Jack wanted to build things that people loved and people could have homes and families. Oh, my God. You know, look what just happened. Randall could fulfill both of his father's dreams. We got you figured out, Dan Fogelman. Just <laughs> just email us. Let us know when to expect the check. Damn, I don't want to be so arrogant as that. But I will say that I think that they have elegantly laid out quite a path for this family. And if at the very beginning, Dan Fogelman said, you know, I think I want to write a show about a family business where they're in a construction company together. How do I back up and how get do I make them that there. interesting well how do I back it up and get them there in a way that all of you are invested and involved wow mm-hmm. I mean what a creative story so who knows who knows how the nugget started I don't know but very much hope you guys are enjoying our shows Ellen I hope we addressed your concerns and I hope that you feel that we've been more fair with Kevin in this episode and we will again always try to look to show all the different sides especially not just from our point of view but try to bring in things that maybe we're less comfortable with but we can say I could see it from someone else's point of view and this deserves part of the voice as well so we hope you guys enjoyed it please hit us up on Twitter at Daily Review D-A-L-E-Y or on our Facebook page or on our website and also, we are always on so many shows.com. Thanks a lot. Catch us on iTunes or your preferred podcast software. Our website, dailyreview.com. That's D A L E Y review.com. Facebook or Twitter or wherever you find us, please leave us a comment and a rating to let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for listening, pot people. Thanks for listening to my mom and dad. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Just go home, folks.